Welcome to the Imbibe Live Conversations podcast with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We will offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us all on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at imbibelife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. We're grateful that you are here. Hello and welcome to In Vibe Life Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. We are joined today by Kelly Porter from Modern Women's Health. Kelly, hello. Thank you for Hi. being here. It's so great to be with y'all this afternoon. Thank you for having me. So we're so excited. I've shared, I think, with Dr. Jukes that she is one of the people that I get comments on a lot that people really enjoy the podcast we did with her. Great. And so we're thrilled to have you with us. For those people Thank who you. don't know, Kelly is a part of the practice Dr. Jukes has at Modern Women's Health, um, which I want to hear all about again for people who right. did <laughs> join into that first podcast. But let's start by you tell us a little bit about you and your background. Sure, sure. So I'm a women's healthcare nurse practitioner. Um, I started my nursing career in the neonatal ICU, actually. So I worked three years um, in the NICU as an RN and then went back to school and got my graduate degree with a focus in women's health. And I then joined a practice in Louisiana and I was there for 10 years doing OBGYN care. And then, you know, I really, um, I love OB, but GYN is really my true love. And so in 2014, I joined Dr. Juke's practice, and I've been here ever since. And I really just love caring for women. I love hearing their stories. You know, there's so much more than their parts. And so um, I just am really honored anytime anyone chooses us, and we have so much to offer here in the practice. And so um, that's how I got here. And your practice is unique. And I talked about this it with is. Dr. Jukes, but again, to um, say again, it really focuses on gynecology and you all do not practice obstetrics. We, we don't deliver babies, but right. if we have a patient that becomes pregnant, then we can see them in the first trimester. And then we usually refer them on um, to their obstetrician. So we'll see them for their first visit, do their blood work, do an ultrasound, kind of get things going. Um, but then, yeah, refer them on. So we're primarily GYN. Yes. Awesome. So today, I know Amy and I had mentioned with you that we were going to talk a little bit about menopause. I know right. it's something that Amy and I are very interested in because of the this time in our lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And our friends. And I feel like whenever as women, we're all sitting around talking about it. Um, everyone's got a different story, you right. know, and right. So some of the signs and symptoms, because I mean, even Amy and I are in different stages. So I'm so glad that you said that because every woman is unique and the perimenopause menopause experience is very unique, you know, and very individualized, just like, you know, everybody has a different pregnancy story or puberty story of how they handled those different life transitions. And so um, what a lot of people don't realize that this 
these symptoms can start early, even as early as late thirties, but they can really kick in um, in the forties. And so a lot of women don't even know to look for them or they think, oh my gosh, I'm depressed or, you know, I'm just not sleeping well, what's wrong with me, but they can actually start up to 10 years um, before menopause. And in our country, the average age of menopause is between 51 and 52. And so I see a lot of women in their forties who are already starting to have these symptoms. I love that you analogized it to puberty because we do know that because first mm-hmm. of all, when we're that age, every girl is talking to each other about who, what, when, and right. where. And exactly. so we know that it's all so different. And yeah. so that just was like, oh my goodness, that makes mm-hmm. so much sense that this is going to be similar. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's so interesting. I, Cause I had never thought of the analogy of puberty and this might be more information than any of our listeners want to know, but because I was so late starting puberty, my mother even took me to the doctor and was like, what's wrong with my child? (laughs) Were you a late bloomer? I was a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You may may be a little bit later getting to menopause then too. So that's something some people don't realize too. Yeah. And that's kind of, I feel like how my life is going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't have symptoms. So that's the thing too. So tell us what are the symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the most common symptoms we think about when we think about the menopause transition and when I say transition, so that's when, you know, around that age, you know, between 51 and 52, but sometimes earlier, sometimes later, um, when cycles start to show variability and kind of you're phasing out for some women, it's a few months for some, you know, it's a couple of years. But the primary symptoms are things like hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, worsening depression and anxiety, um, you know, dry skin, dry vagina. That's not good. Pain with intercourse. Um, There's a whole slew of things. Some people have worsening headaches. So, you know, if someone had really bad, you know, menstrual headaches, perhaps, um, or, you know, without hormone withdrawal, then their headaches may get worse once their hormones go down. And, and they're not having those fluctuations. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of symptoms that come with this. It's not just the hot flash night sweats. Um, but you know, when you're having night sweats too, that disrupts your sleep and mm-hmm. sleep is so, so, so important. And so if you're not getting good rest, then you have fatigue during the day, you have brain fog, maybe you're irritable, You know, I have a lot of patients say that, you know, by the end of the day, I'm just taking it out on my family because I'm so exhausted because I'm not sleeping, you know? So there's a lot of, lot of things. Well, and then it's a cycle too. I feel like, I think we talked about this before Kelly, because again, full disclosure, Kelly (laughs) is one of my practitioners, but, um, like, so you have the symptoms, so you don't sleep well, which can exacerbate the symptoms. Exactly. It's kind of a vicious vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I have patients who say too, you know, they're so worried that they're not going to sleep, that they lay there worrying that they're not going to sleep. So then it just kind of creates this, you know, terrible storm of of symptoms and and just feeling bad, you know? And so again, Cheryl, we're just sharing too much today, I think, but (laughs) as someone who um, for medical reasons had a hysterectomy, early, like 39, 40 years old, does that change anything or do you still feel the signs and symptoms just the same? So, so that's a very good question. So when you have a hysterectomy, that's removal of the uterus. 
And so if you keep your ovaries, then you're not going to have that surgically induced menopause. Now, some people, if they have their ovaries removed, they're going to go into menopause because those ovaries are gone. So they don't have those hormones. And we call that a surgical um, menopause. Um, But if someone has their ovaries, it's hard to tell because we don't have the guide of their menstrual cycle to kind of know where they are. But we can kind of figure that out based on symptoms. And then also we can do lab work. So lab tests are super helpful. Um, There's two primary um, hormones that we check to determine if someone's perimenopausal or menopausal, and that's the FSH and estradiol. And FSH is the follicle stimulating hormone that is released from the anterior pituitary in the brain that tells your ovaries to secrete hormone. And when those hormones go down, that FSH goes up. So once we see an FSH over 20, we know that someone is having, you know, extreme dips in their estrogen levels, and we call that a menopausal value. So we can use labs to help us determine where someone is. If they don't, you know, for, for example, like you, they don't, you know, have a uterus, so they don't have the guide. Also, some women have had endometrial ablations, so they don't bleed. And some right. women have, maybe have a Mirena IUD, a progesterone IUD, so they don't bleed either. So, so we can use other things to figure out where they are. That's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I feel, so I, this is another thing that I found. Um, I have one friend who they did all the testing. She's mm-hmm. not in menopause, but she hasn't had a period in two years and she's in her fifties. Isn't that okay. interesting? That it's, is interesting. It's just such a unique experience. And I'm like, surely you are, you haven't had a period in two years. Yeah. Well, like, let well, me, let me, testing. let me throw this in too, because I think it's important when women start, you know, getting around the age and maybe they start skipping cycles that it's important to see someone who is, um, you know, a specialist in hormone management, because there are other things that can mimic menopause. So thyroid wow. dysfunction can cause abnormal cycles. There are other hormonal imbalances that can cause abnormal or absence of menstrual cycles. And there's a lot of other things too, that can cause like fatigue. So like vitamin deficiencies. So when someone comes to see us, we do a very thorough workup because we want to make sure that it's, it's not, you know, it may be hormones, but there are other things too, that could cause someone to not feel well, or maybe kind of overlapping with some of those symptoms. So I think it's important to look at everything, not just the hormone levels. Yeah. That's really good to know because, Mm -hmm. um, I think that makes your practice pretty special, right? That you're really looking the whole picture when we show up, not just, right. You know, one piece of the pie. Right. Right. We try to have a 360 degree approach to treating, treating our patients and not just focusing on, on certain things, but really looking at the bigger picture and what other things could be, you know, causing this or what other things could be overlapping with that. And I think that's super important too. So if you're having all of these symptoms and it is making your daily life, um, uncomfortable or hard to function, what are some options? What are some treatments to help women? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of treatment options. And so it kind of depends on if someone is perimenopausal, like if they're still bleeding versus if they're truly menopausal versus if they're in the menopause transition. And so we oftentimes will use hormones. Um, We, if someone is perimenopausal, we may think use things like a low dose birth control pill, um, something to kind of rein in those hormones because they're 
um, the symptoms are caused by extreme fluctuations. So not an absence of hormones, but just extremes in the up and the down of the hormones. So, okay. I um, want to stop right there because that was interesting. I think everyone thinks that the symptoms are caused by a deficiency, but it's the change that's causing the symptoms. It's the fluctuation in the perimenopausal timeframe. So if you think about, you know, women in their twenties and and thirties, they're having these nice little ebbs and flows of hormones and they may have some, you know, minimal symptoms they could, but in your forties and fifties, they start to, you know, really peak and valley. And so, you know, I have ladies say things like, okay, I have like a week where I don't sleep at all and I'm having hot flashes. And then the next week I'm crying over TV commercials. What's going on? Well, that first week is the low estrogen. And then the second week they're having a surge, you know, they're like, my breasts are tender. I feel like I'm pregnant. Well, that's, that's a surge. So it's, it's the extreme in the fluctuation. That's interesting. And so what was happening to me when I couldn't stand anybody in my house? (laughs) (laughs) So that can be related to low hormones too. Yeah. Especially that was definitely one of my symptoms is like probably for just a few months. So it must've been when I was really balanced, like they could do any, like the littlest thing would just set me off. Yes. (laughs) It's a miserable feeling. Like guide them out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Let's give mom some space. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You know, and here's the thing. I think some women think too, that these changes are like a rite of passage. Like, oh, my mom, you know, got kind of felt crazy in her, you know, late forties or fifties, you know, within the transition, or maybe that's just how we're supposed to be, but it's not there. There are treatment options and, and, you know, we can certainly feel better because it's not, not a good way to feel at all. And I guess what I'm concerned about or want to get out there is the opposite that um, what you're experiencing is maybe part of this bigger picture and talk to someone about it. Because I know for me, I was probably not sleeping well for at least a couple years and, you know, kind of feeling some things far before it, you guys tested my hormones. It was like, right. Oh, you know, I wasn't just stressed out or I wasn't right. just tired or I wasn't just losing my mind or, right. you know, having a hard time with my family or whatever. <laughs> like there was a reason right. for it and we Absolutely. had things that could help it. Right. Right. And I think it's important too. I'll, I'll throw this in. We haven't gotten there yet, but we use a lot of testosterone therapy, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause there are some women who cannot do any type of estrogen, you know, for various reasons. And so we find that, you know, testosterone, unfortunately, starts to go down as early as our late 20s. So by the time we get to our 40s, most of us have zero. And so that can cause a lot of things like fatigue, brain fog, Mm. poor sleep. And so we use that a lot. It's great in that perimenopausal time when someone doesn't quite need estrogen just yet, but they need something. That testosterone is amazing in helping with that transition. Um, and so that's something that we use in, you know, compounded forms, um, unfortunately, because there are no FDA approved testosterone medications um, in this country right now for women. Um, so we use compounded creams or pellets, and we have really good success with that. So what kind of options are there for treatment if you can't do any hormones whatsoever? Or is that, is there nothing for that person? So, um, so there are very 
rare cases when somebody can't do any hormones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, there are some other options. So there are some um, non-hormonal like herbal remedies like um, Estrovera, Estrovin, like black cohosh. Um, So so those can be helpful. Um, There are some antidepressants that we use. There's one called Brisdel. It's actually a a uh, lower dose of the antidepressant Paxil that has been shown to um, reduce hot flashes and night sweats in postmenopausal women. Um, so there are some non-hormonal options that we have. So if someone comes to your office and you're starting to see, you do the test, you're starting to see the signs, what do you, what do you recommend or what are some options? So, so this is the thing. It's not a one size fits all. Okay. So it's, it's very unique. And, and what we do is we, you know, look at personal medical history um, because that's super important in determining if, you know, someone can take, take hormones or not, or certain types they can, and, and maybe others we need to avoid. Um, and then also looking at things like family history um, is important. If someone has a really high risk, you know, of breast cancer, we're going to follow them very closely. It doesn't mean they can't do hormones, but that's something that we're going to take into consideration. And then also, I think a big part of helping women through this journey is listening to what they want. And so, you know, some patients will come in and say, I have no clue. Tell me everything. And I tell them everything. Um, and other times they come in and they, they know that they do not want one thing or that they really want one thing. And so we, we explore that and determine if that's the best thing for them. And, you know, I always like to go over all the options. Um, and so there are so many um, in terms of, you know, menopausal management. Um, there's estrogen and progesterone in many forms, patches, um, gels, rings, pellets, um, you know, and like I mentioned before, you know, there's testosterone therapy and in, in pellet or cream form. Um, sometimes we use, like I said, low dose birth control pills. If someone's kind of in that transition, um, especially if they're having some abnormal bleeding, it can help with that too. Um, so it's really individualized based on, on the patient and what they're experiencing, what their history is, family history, and then their wishes too. Okay. I'm going to ask a question. Okay. And this might be completely naive, but I'm sure if I'm thinking it, somebody else is thinking it. (laughs) And maybe it's because I haven't hit any of this menopause or any perimenopause or any of that yet. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) But I hear a lot of people, okay, this is, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, dryness. Okay. Oh yeah. And I understand in intercourse, how that would be an uncomfortable situation. But other than that, I'm like, I I don't know, like what it, how do you know you have that or. So, so that's, that's a very good question. And honestly, you know, dryness is something that doesn't just happen in the perimenopausal timeframe or after menopause. We certainly see it more there, but there are, you know, there are certain medications like birth control pills and Depo-Provera injection that can cause some vaginal dryness. But when it's related to low hormone levels, we have many options for that as well, um, because that's a very uncomfortable feeling. And, you know, I think a lot of times women suffer silently. They don't know, or maybe they're embarrassed to ask about it. And and that's something I treat all the time. But you would know you were having it. You would know. know. Intercourse wouldn't feel good. You would, would, it's, it's a friction that does not feel good. And is and that the so, only time it wouldn't feel good? No. Just- so this is this is what's interesting. There's actually this this 
condition that happens, you know, around the time of menopause, but it typically gets worse the further out you get. And it's called GSM, genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And so the vaginal tissues love estrogen. They really love estrogen. And if they do not have estrogen, they change and not in a good way. So they lose their elasticity. So they lose their ability to stretch. So you can actually have ripping and tearing of the skin for simple things like, you know, sex or a pelvic exam, it hurts. Um, they lose their moisture um, and it just really is uncomfortable, but it doesn't just affect the vagina. It affects the bladder and the urethra as well. So women can actually have problems with urinary um, incontinence, urgency, frequency, and more frequent UTIs. So I treat a lot of women who maybe they're not in a relationship, they're not sexually active, but they're having the urinary issues related to the menopausal changes in their vagina. Once that starts happening, can it be fixed or reversed or do you just have to treat the signs? No, 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 no. We definitely want to treat the underlying cause, which is lack of hormone and vaginal estrogens work well for that. We also um, have a uh, laser treatment that is amazing for treating this. So some women are like, I don't want to put, you know, something in my vagina twice a week. So the Mona Lisa laser, um, we, it basically resurfaces the vaginal epithelium. Um, it's not painful. It feels kind of like a vibrating sensation. It makes little pinpoint incisions in the vaginal tissue. And as that tissue heals, it stimulates collagen production and it gives those tissues back their elasticity and their ability to stretch. So the Mona Lisa touch is amazing. And if, if these things I'm mentioning, some of our treatments, if if anybody wants more information, our website, modernwomenshealth.com has information about all of our different um, procedures and treatments. Well, yeah, I, I find this very neither. interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm on your website and I'm wondering, the one I've heard the most about is Votiva. Yeah. Okay. What is that? So Votiva is one of our vaginal rejuvenation treatments. So it uses radio frequency or heat to stimulate the vaginal tissues to cause tightening. So a lot of women, you know, after they've had babies, the things are lax down there, not as taut as they used to be. So it causes tightening, but it also can treat stress incontinence. So when women are having issues with leaking urine, with coughing, sneezing, jumping on a trampoline or exercise or whatever, it, it treats that as well. And it's a super easy treatment. It just is a warm sensation. Um, we do it within 30 minutes and patients can go on about their business. It's amazing. I do that one myself. I love the Votiva. <laughs> it's great. And, and so what's another top treatment that you see in your office? Y'all want to talk about O-Shot? Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's, I, I, that's again, I kind of hear okay. about it or it's almost <laughs> like something you'll hear a joke about and I'm like, oh, ha, 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 and I don't really know what it oh, is. So O-Shot is, that's kind of my baby here. I, lo- I love O-Shot. It is, it's amazing. And it, I will say this too, paired with the Votiva procedure, okay. it is amazing. And so what O-Shot does is it uses your own blood product. So PRP, and y'all probably heard of this. I mean, we use PRP for, for hair treatments. It's used in joints. It's used all over the body, but the great plasma or platelet rich plasma. So it's your own blood product. So we draw blood from you, spin it off, get off this wonderful PRP. Um, And the great thing about it is your body is not going to react to it negatively because it recognizes it. It's your own blood product. So that's the great thing where other things we inject, you know, there's always risk of reaction. We don't know what your body's going to do. So with this, we do. Um, And so we actually, um, let me rewind. 
we carefully apply topical anesthetic first. So we have an anesthetic cream, so it's nice and numb. And then I also do a lidocaine block to one area. Um, and then we inject the PRP into the anterior wall of the vagina. So it stimulates the G spot. Um, it also acts as a bulking agent around the urethra. So that's how it works to help stress incontinence. Oh, okay. And then the second part, we inject one CC directly into the body or the corpus cavernosum of the clitoris. So, but it's blocked. Remember, I do a lidocaine block, so patients don't feel it. So I, I know I, I say, oh, a needle. Most people are like, ah. But, um, but honestly, most of my patients rate it on a pain scale, a zero to one. Oh. So it's very comfortable. People wouldn't do it if it hurt. So it's very comfortable. We make, make sure our patients are very comfortable for that procedure. So it's cool. It. So it, hel- it helps with stress incontinence, but it's also for, um, Women have changes, you know, in the perimenopausal time frame, or maybe after childbirth, or maybe with menopause, with orgasm changes and sensation. So I have patients tell me all the time, okay, it takes me forever to reach orgasm, or sometimes I don't, or I just give up because it just is taking so long. And then what once felt like fireworks now feels like a whisper. So they've had changes there that they don't like that they want to improve. And O-Shot is great for that. This just goes back to what we were saying earlier, even about the signs of menopause that I I think a lot of people, I guess I'm putting myself in that category, don't even know, oh, this is something I could ask about. Right, right. Yeah, and you don't hear about it very much. I went on a trip with a bunch of girlfriends of mine, about 10 of us. And of course, one of the girls had had it. And we're (laughs) like, what is that? And she was like, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) So great. She's That's she's good. the only one of us that's like single and has a much younger partner. And yeah. we're like, hmm. maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna be in such trouble, Cheryl. I know. <laughs> but I think that's important too for women to understand that their sex life doesn't need to dwindle or die simply because, because you know aging. they're right, right. Mm-hmm. It should be enjoyed and you know, and we can we can help help with that. Absolutely. I yeah, because it. I think what you said, you know, also before about you just think, well, this is what my mother and aunts were like when they were at this age. So, right. oh, well, the best is over, you know, whatever. Right. right. And that's not true. What <laughs> have we, um, what have we missed Kelly? What else should we be telling people? Because I know like you're actually, we forgot to say this at the beginning, you have a certification in what is it in menopause? Yeah, so I am certified um, by the North American Menopause Society as a certified menopause practitioner. So, yeah. And so what, what, what do you want women to know? If someone's listening, what do you want them to know? So don't be afraid to ask questions and, you know, pick a provider like, you know, us at Modern Women's Health. You know, we have a physician and we have three nurse practitioners now. And we talk about these things all day long and we're, we're not afraid. There's, there's really nothing you can ask us that would shock us. We want to help you. We want to help you be healthy. We want to help through all of these transitions, especially, you know, perimenopause and menopause that can be so uncomfortable. Um, you know, just don't be afraid to ask. We can, we are here to help. I love it. This has been great information. Yeah. I might be in trouble for revealing too much. <laughs> <laughs> 
know, it's good information. I think people want to know. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, we, need, we need to talk about it. I have ladies all the time who say, why aren't women talking about this? And exactly. I'm like, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I talk about it everywhere. I'm talking about it with you guys. So mm-hmm. I think that's, we're blazing a trail. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I hope, you know, some people feel comforted by this or mm-hmm. more informed by this and, and, you know, know that there are people out there who really can help. And we will, of course, link Modern Women's Health in our show notes. And so people can find that, you know, www.modernwomenshealth.com or come to inviblife.com and we'll have Mm -hmm. it in the show notes for this podcast. And um, it's been, it was a lot packed in there, Kelly. (laughs) Some people might have to listen twice. (laughs) A lot of information for sure. (laughs) But we're so grateful you took the time to share your expertise with us. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being here with y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining our conversation today. For more information or to learn more about InVibe Life, we hope you'll visit us at www.invibelife.com. You can find links and show notes for this episode on our podcast page. Please like, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. We hope that you will listen again soon.